0: just pour out more of yourself into us, that we might know you more, that we might not just see you as we've always seen you, but we would see you in a greater uh, capacity, God. We're asking that you would stretch our mind and our capability of understanding you so that we might step into a greater knowledge of him. And we just thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing in the word, that there's power in your word to transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Any of you wondering about the shovel? (laughs) So Wednesday night, Dave brought the shovel, right? (laughs) And um, on Sunday last week, we heard about digging trenches around people and, and, and speaking into their lives and praying for them. And so this shovel is up here with pens. And if there's people that are on your heart, you can add them to the shovel. And and we'll dig trenches with you around them. And that's the whole point of it. (laughs) So, today is Palm Sunday. Today is parade day in the church. And so it is good for us to read out of Luke chapter 19. And I'm going to read a longer passage than I normally would, but hang in there, listen, and be a part of this story. So when he, Jesus, had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Debeson, I can't even say that word. I, I practiced it too. It isn't. Look at the dictionary. That's not how they say it. <laughs> Bethphagee. It's, it's real interesting. Bethphagee or something like that. And Bethany at the mount called Olivet. And he sent two of his disciples and he said, Hey, go into the village opposite you. Whereas you enter it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosening it? This you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it, just as he said to them. But as they were loosening the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosening the colt? And they said to him, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus. And they threw their own clothes on the colt. And they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And at that point they began shouting. Shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then it says in verse 37, As he was drawing near the descent of Mount Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. And they began to say, "'Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest.'" And some of the Pharisees called to him from a crowd, "'Teacher, teacher, rebuke your disciples.'" And he said, he answered them and he said, I tell you, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And so I believe that in this story this morning, there's a lesson for us. You like lessons? Back in school, here we are. And it's one that the Lord really spoke to me about. So today being Palm Sunday, parade day, it's celebrated all over the world remembering the day that Jesus triumphantly rode into Jerusalem. And it it is considered the first day of the Holy Week. And it's the week that led to the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This biblical account that I read, you can find it in all four of the Gospels. And they all tell it from their perspective. And it's called Palm Sunday because as Jesus was headed towards Jerusalem, riding on that donkey colt, and the people were so excited to see him that they took branches of palm trees and olive trees and they threw down their coats and they waved them over him. It, did you know that in ancient times that the palm tree, the palm branch, actually signified like well-being and goodness and, and grandeur and steadfastness and victory? you actually could have seen it carved into the walls and pillars in the in the temple king solomon had palm trees and palm branches engraved in it so on this momentous day the crowds are growing and Everyone seemed to be drawn into the excitement. Have you ever been with somebody that they get excited, and then you find yourself getting excited with them? Well, this was happening. The crowd was feeding each other, and it was growing with excitement. And, and they were, they were like, "Here he comes." There's Jesus on the donkey. There he is. There's the guy. The guy that raised Lazarus from the dead. There he is. Do you see him? You can actually see him today. Look, there he is. And they thought about, oh, yeah, that's the guy that, that multiplied the bread on the mountainside. And they were remembering the things that they'd seen Jesus do. And they remembered they remembered that as a crowd they were there and a blind man named Bartimaeus had cried out to him and said Jesus son of David Jesus son of David and he had stopped and brought him to him and he touched his eyes and his eyes were healed and this man saw and the crowd saw that and here comes Jesus on the donkey and they're remembering all these things. They remembered the stories being told by the lame man how he had been at the pool of Bethesda and he was laying there and And he, for 38 years, he'd been there, and he hadn't walked. And Jesus came and said, what do you want from me? And he said, I just, I want to get in the water, but I can't. And Jesus said, yes, but I'm here, and I can do something for you. And he reached out, and he he raised him. So this crowd, this crowd going through the streets, were all remembering all the things they had seen. If they hadn't seen it, they'd heard about it over and over and over. And here he was. Here he was, Jesus, riding on a donkey. And all of these events were in their mind as the parade began to pick up momentum. And the, this is the one. This is the one who could save them. And the people were shouting and, and waving their branches. And they believed that Jesus had come to save them from Rome. Here he was, the one that was going to be the deliverer, the one that was going to come. And they remembered Zechariah 9.9 that says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And they recognized this event that was happening on the street in front of them from that scripture that they had been taught and read over the years, how Jesus was going to come, how the Savior, the Messiah was going to come riding on a donkey colt. And here was this man, that was going to fulfill the prophecies that they had heard about, the things that for years they would heard about and that they were waiting on. And they had seen so many signs, so many signs that he was the one. Who else could stop a, a, a funeral procession And speak to the widow of a son and say, Son, get up, and the man arises out of the coffin. Who else could do that except for this one that was going to save them? Their Savior. Their answer. They had waited for years for this. And they had it in their minds as they watched this procession coming down the road. They had it in their mind. This is who he is, and this is what he's going to do, and this is how he's going to do it. And they were wrong. They were absolutely wrong. And they actually missed the real mission of Jesus of Nazareth. They missed it. It's interesting to note that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey colt. Did you know that when kings went to war, they used horses? And when they came in from conquering with war, they brought their army with them, and they rode horses. But whenever a king, it was time of peace, they rode on donkeys. And so here Jesus comes, riding on this donkey colt. Scripture says it never been ridden before. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a horse or a donkey gotten on that's never been ridden, and the riders stay on. And yet, here he was, on this donkey colt, coming into Jerusalem. And as he came in, he was declaring himself, here I am, the Prince of Peace. That's what he was declaring. And, as he wrote on that that cult that had never been written on, written on he was declaring, "Hey guys i 'm Lord of all. I am Lord of all. no matter what you bring to me, no matter what you 've gone on i 've got it i 'm Lord of all so that 's the background for the let for the sermon, okay And so, in order to share the lesson that I believe the Holy Spirit showed me. We have to read a couple more verses from Luke. We're going to just go from where we were. And I'm going to read four more verses, okay? And it's in Luke 19, starting in verse 41, and it says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city. That's Jerusalem. He's coming in to Jerusalem, and he sees it. And it says he wept over it saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you. They'll surround you and close you in on every side. And they'll level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave you In you, one stone upon another. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Think about those words. If you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make for peace. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. And so the crowds surrounding him were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Do you know we say that a lot? What it means is, save us, save us now. That's what Hosanna means. Save us, save us now. So they're crying out, save us, save us now. And this crowd, in just a few short days, the same crowd is going to shout, Crucify him! Crucify him! Have you ever asked yourself, how is that possible? How is it possible for one day for them to be shouting, save us, save us now, Hosanna to the King of David. Crucify him, crucify him. How does that happen? Let me show you what the Holy Spirit showed me this week. You see, these people... They knew the prophetic words that were written in the scriptures. They'd been taught them. Do you know how many years it was? Oh, they waited. A long, long, hundreds of years. They're waiting for the Messiah that's going to save them and deliver them from Rome. And then Jesus came, and he he didn't meet their expectations. They thought he was coming to restore the nation of Israel to its place of glory. And that is not what he came to do. And they found themselves frustrated and disappointed. You see, Jesus came to save them. He was the one that came to save them. But he came to save them from their sin and redeem them as a people from eternal damnation. That's what he came to do. Jesus came to make a way for them to have a relationship with God the Father. It was such a greater fulfillment than they had ever guessed. And yet they were disappointed. Jesus came to set them free. But that wasn't the freedom that they were looking for. It was not what they expected. And God did not do what they thought, nor did he do it how they thought. And it made them disappointed in God and frustrated with the whole situation. And they drew this conclusion that he was not the one they had waited for. He was not the Messiah. He was not the Savior. That's what they came to the conclusion of. So the joyous crowds turn into an angry mob. And the same people who cheer Jesus cried, crucify him, crucify him. So Jesus sees Jerusalem and he knows the gift that he carries. What he brought for mankind. And he weeps over the city and he weeps over the people because they didn't understand the gifts that he had for them. And what he wanted to do and he grieved because they did not grasp or understand the day of their visitation. Everywhere that Jesus went as he walked on earth for those three years, he went about doing good. If you look at Acts 10.38, it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So the people of Israel had experienced the goodness of God. In their daily lives, they had seen him move. They had seen victories. They had seen healings. They had seen, they had seen a demoniac that was so oppressed by the devil that he couldn't even keep clothes on, and they couldn't even keep him chained up because he had so much demonic power. He could break the chains, and they saw him set free. The people... All these crowds, they saw these things. And they still miss the day of visitation. And what is the lesson we learn in all this? We do the same thing, church. You see, God speaks to us. He says something to us and, and we can hardly recognize it because it really doesn't sound like the you you know you see he sees beyond this moment and he sees the day beyond this and he sees what he wants to do in and through your lives and he gives us prophetic words and he he reveals truth to us by the power of the Holy Spirit every time we gather there's truth being released by the power of the Holy Spirit into your life the Holy Spirit is stirring you hey are you, are you getting this? I'm, I'm longing over you. Don't you understand? I'm drawing you. I'm calling you. I'm speaking to you. I'm stirring you. That's what he's doing. And we turn aside. And we miss the visitation of God in our lives. It's so easy for it to happen. So this week... My grandson went to court. And I've been praying over him for more than two years. And the Holy Spirit began to stir me and ask me what's the truth that I could get myself so worked up over a situation that's going on in my life. And I realized by my prayers and my fasting and by my spreading, asking people to pray, I was trying to earn God's hand moving on His. Sorry. to move in the situation. And I realized by the power of the Holy Spirit because he visited me that this isn't about earning it. It's about who he is and his heart for Alex. And God's at work on behalf for Alex, not for me. Not for my daughter and her husband. Not for their grandparents. But for Alex because God's heart for Alex is good. He has purpose and plan for Alex to go beyond anything that I could long for or imagine. And I said, God, forgive me for thinking that I had to earn something from you when you, the Papa, the loving God, the one who is and was and is to come, the creator of the universe, desperately loves Alex. Alex. And is desperately at work in his life. And a weight rolled off of me. Because I know all of you carry things. And it's time that we understand the visitations of the Holy Spirit upon us and what he's doing in our lives. I want you to think about when I'm thinking about us missing the visitation of the Holy Spirit in our lives, I want you to think about the parable of the four soils. Jesus said seed went out, and some went by the rocks, and some went by the, I don't don't know, the stony places, and some went among thorns, and some went on good ground. He tells that parable, and then he comes back and he says, this is what it is. He says if anyone hears the words of the kingdom and they don't understand it, and sometimes that's me, I don't understand a word of the kingdom, then the wicked one comes and snatches it out of our heart. And that's the one that's by the wayside. And then he says those that by the stony place, he says that they hear the word and and they get all excited. And even on Sunday, sometimes we all, like we get excited by the word that's brought forth. Yes! We're going to go there. We're going to do that. We're going to be that. And we go away and we don't deal with the stuff around the roots and the roots can't go down because it's so rocky there. And pretty soon it withers and dies, and we've even forgotten that God stirred our heart about something. And sometimes it's like those that that like the seeds that went out with the thorns. The thorns grew up and around it, and He said, "That's the cares of the world. That's things like Alex. They come in and they choke out what's God's doing in your life, and you miss." The visitation of God. Because you don't care for the seed that's been planted. God comes to us. He shows us things in the word. Sometimes it's through preaching. Sometimes it's through a song. Sometimes through a word somebody speaks to us or a word written to us. Or sometimes just a conversation. And God begins to stir our heart and we feel it in here. And at that moment, we can say, oh, wow, the Holy Spirit's working here. And we have to decide what we're going to do with it. And it's the same for you as for me. I had to decide what I was going to do with what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. Yeah. Other times we wait we pray about something and we wait and we wait and we wait and we don't see the answers and so we just stop believing and so easy to allow frustrations and disappointments to rule our hearts when God doesn't work the way we think he should and timing can trip us up you see we like the now visitation of God I want him to do it now We don't like waiting. We don't like having to stand and believe God in the midst of everything happening, saying, nothing's going to move me. The Holy Spirit has spoken to me, and I'm not letting anything move me off of the course I'm headed towards. Church, that's what he's looking for. He's wanting the visitation of his Spirit to come upon you, you to grab hold of the truth, that you, you, you work the soil around that truth, that you stand in that truth, and you don't let circumstances and, and timing and disappointments change the course of what God wants to do. Our journey with God offers us opportunities to continuously walk in more truth. The seeds are going out in you. And you have to choose what you're going to do with them. I really wish God would let me choose for my children what they're going to do with them. He never gave me that responsibility. Drat. He doesn't let me do it with my grandkids either. Every one of us, every one of us, have to choose for ourselves. We cannot hang on to our parents' coattails. We cannot stand on what the pastor is saying over us. We have to choose for ourselves. You have to choose that that king riding down the, into Jerusalem came to save you, came to love you, came to work on behalf of you. It's so easy to look at the story of the triumphant entry into Jerusalem and say, you foolish, foolish people, how could you not have seen and understand what God was doing? How could you not have seen and understood what God was up to? Why didn't you just simply trust him? You saw him doing good over and over and over. You saw miracles. Why didn't you just simply love and trust him? And I believe that he looks at us and he weeps over us, (sighs) over what he's offered us, and he asks us, why don't you just simply love me and trust me? He asks us that. And he grieves how we miss the day of visitation. Luke chapter 4, it gives you an incredible picture of his heart for you, and if you take nothing else away from this message, it's to understand the heart of Father God for you this day. So Jesus is in his hometown where he grew up, and he goes into the tabernacle and they hand him the scroll because that was tradition that... People coming in would be handed this scroll, and he rolls it until he gets to Isaiah 61. And then he begins, and he reads this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he shuts the book. He shuts the book and he said, this has been fulfilled in your hearing this day. I'm the one. I'm the one. And he's continuously offering opportunities for you to take part of freedom. Places you didn't think freedom could be possible. You see, there are places in our lives where you're blind. Did you know that? And God longs to open your eyes. He wants the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened so that you might know the power, his mighty power working on your behalf. He wants to work on your behalf. Not on Ruth's behalf. Not on Pastor Mike's behalf. On your behalf. And did you know that there's baggage that holds you captive? Oh my word. I keep discovering more bags tucked away. It's not that much fun. And they hold us captive. And God not only wants your chains to fall off your feet and hands, he wants everything every prison door that holds you captive, ripped off the hinges and thrown aside wide open. Not only that, he wants so much for you to be rooted and grounded that you might know the love of God. That you might know. Not know like God loves me. Not like that, but know, oh my word, God loves me. God loves me. That's what he wants you to know. And he wants you to experience the exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think working in your life and in every situation you encounter. He wants that. That's called freedom. It's called freedom. And we all experience those times when we just feel down and sad and discouraged. And, and he, he came to set us free from the oppression of the enemy. He came to set us free. And he offers us freedom. And we have to choose to walk in freedom. Did you understand that? You have to choose to walk in freedom. I can't tell you you're free. It does no good. You have to say, Jesus set me free. And I can walk in freedom. You know, sometimes we don't like the packaging that God sends things in. It isn't presented the way we like it. And we want Jesus to set us free, but not like that. That's not how I, no, not that way. And Jesus came to set us free. And his ways are so above our ways. And his thoughts for you are so above your thoughts for you. And he came, church, to set us free. And we are walking as blind and captive. We are chained up, so many of us, in places that God is looking and he's weeping over you because you missed your freedom. And he wants you to grab hold of the freedom that he has for you. Liberty from captivity sometimes seems so elusive to us. Our situations cry, "Impossible! I I can't ever be free." We don't really think it's available to us, and we turn aside. So, how do you how do you change that pattern of missing the visitation in your life? What steps do you need to take? you first have to change your mindset. That he's good, that he's good all the time, and that he's doing good in your life. You have to believe that. And in the midst of my visitation this week, he took me to Jeremiah 17. Don't you love that you get to hear my story in the midst of preaching? Jeremiah 17:7. 7. Listen to this. Because this is what God challenged me with this week. And it offers us this incredible gift with benefits. It says, Blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord. Man, woman. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose hope is in the Lord. And when we Trust in the Lord and we put our hope in the Lord. Look what the results are. He becomes like a tree planted by waters which spreads out its roots by the river. And it will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. See, our mindset has to be anchored in the trust of God and that he is our hope in everything. Your belief that God of all the earth actually cares about you and your situation. Not only will he answer, but he longs over you. The word tells us that he prays over you. Did you know that? Did you know the word says that Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father prays over you? That's un- wow. And he's able to meet every need because he is the God of the impossible. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that you will always be how you are and always walk in heaviness and darkness and frustration that the enemy throws at you? Or do you believe that he came to set you free? Because Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this. This is his heart for you. He's delivered you from the power of darkness. And not only did he deliver you, he actually conveyed you into the kingdom of his son, of his love, in whom we have redemption through the blood and the forgiveness of sin. (laughs) He delivers us from every power of darkness. Anything that holds us bondage and in darkness is meant for you to be delivered from. Because the scripture says the son came to set you free. The Son came to set you free. And this morning a visitation of the Holy Spirit is here and it's all about freedom. You see, we're meant to walk in life and life abundant. We're, We're called to a lifestyle of peace and joy and freedom. God gave his life for you to be free. And he provides everything you need. So today Palm Sunday is is ordained as freedom day. <laughs> he chose you. He called you and he set you free. This is your day of visitation. I want you to read with me John 8:36. Is it up there? Will you read it with me? Therefore if the son makes you free you will be free, free indeed. Can you tell that to your neighbor? Seriously, can you tell them? You see, I believe that as a church... We love God, and we're moving forward, but we hide things within us. And God saying, nope, 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 it's time. It's time for freedom in the church. It's time for you to be set free, 100% set free. Won't you stand with me? Papa, I preached what you showed me to preach. So I give it to you and I ask you to touch our hearts that we might walk in a new place. Walk beyond where we've ever walked before. Walk in freedoms we've never experienced before. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. Thank you for riding into Jerusalem triumphant. Thank you for being willing to take whippings on your back and beatings. Thank you for being willing to go to the cross and to hang there and die with the weight of my sin upon you. I say thank you, Papa. Thank you, God. Thank you for sending your son. And I ask, Lord, that we would walk in the fullness of what you paid for. That we would celebrate the victories day by day by day because of the provision of the cross. That every day this week you would come and visit us and speak into our hearts and minds that we truly might walk in freedom and liberty. I thank you, Lord. Because no one can ever know what is happening in other people. I give you an opportunity this morning. If this Jesus that I'm talking about and what he did, if you've never known him, I want to introduce him to you. I want you to come and let me pray over you this morning. His presence radically changed my life. And knowing who God is, that He loved me and was doing good in my life, transformed me. And I stand as one who wants to walk in victory, who wants to walk in liberty, who wants to be free. And that's what I pray over you. That He would meet you this very week, this holy week. tell him. Tell him you want to be free. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. He'll take you step by step. And if there's something you want prayer over, there'll be a team of people up here that will pray over you as we close this service. Michael, would you come? Would you come? Put your hand in your heart this morning. Hmm. May the Lord, who is the God of the universe, the one who did everything you needed in your life, may he bless you. Hallelujah, may he bless you. May he make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Shout out to Zanna. Zanna. Hallelujah.